0: How do you guide managers through the basics of leading a productive team? NHPA's Leading Your Team course teaches managers the core components of building and leading effective teams. During this nine-week online class, students learn best practices for constructive feedback and conflict resolution, how to assess their needs for hiring and training quality employees, how to effectively build and lead new and existing teams, and much more. Managers will complete the course feeling more prepared to be successful leaders in their operations. Choose to work alongside other retailers in the cohort session or select self-paced for more flexibility. Enroll today. Visit fol for more information. Welcome to Editorially Speaking, the magazine podcast of the North American Hardware and Paint Association. I'm Melanie Mowell, the Managing Editor for the association. On today's podcast, we're talking branding and marketing with Laura McCullough, Chief Shift Disturber with Laura McCullough Consulting. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we uh, we're doing a story in Hardware Retailing Magazine uh, in the May issue about uh, best practices for rebranding. So we thought it would be a great opportunity to bring in somebody who is an expert on um, helping small businesses work on their branding and, and kind of find solutions to marketing. Um, and I found you in my research. So uh, thanks for thanks for joining us and sharing your knowledge. So um, I want to give our listeners a little background. So how did you get started um, in in this? Um, path? um, And and how did you develop your own consulting company?
1: Oh, that's a great question. And how long do you have? (laughs) (laughs) The reason why I ask is I've been, uh, this is the only thing I've actually ever done. Um, I've been doing it for over 25 years now. So I, um, I started my, uh, my career working agency side with multinationals, global brands, fortune brands, um, like Shell, Unilever, Kraft, GlaxoSmithKline, Johnson & Johnson, you name them. Uh, And I kind of cut my teeth uh, working with these big brands and really figuring out how to position them in a marketplace that was saturated with competition and get people to choose their brand instead of the plethora of options they had available to them. Um, And I loved what I did, but um, I decided to uh, go out on my own uh, and basically start my consultancy I think it's about 13 years ago now. And uh, since then I've been focusing on small to medium sized businesses. Uh, Reason why I love working with SMBs uh, is you're talking to the decision maker, uh, the person who is actually making long-term decisions for the company. Um, And that excites me. I like making change within organizations and uh, I'm a small business owner myself. So I understand the world uh, of small business
0: yeah, I think that's definitely been crucial obviously within the last year is uh, helping small businesses, you know put the word out. um so I imagine that uh, you've you've had your fair share of of questions and and consultations and people trying to trying to figure out how to manage in this new world we're living in.
1: oh yeah the the last year has been really, really interesting. It is kind of fascinating to see how different businesses have handled this, because a lot of people just went really quiet, right? Like it, they weren't sure what to do. There, there was an anticipation that things might change in our favor in a very short period of time, uh, which obviously hasn't happened. It's been going on for a year now, and it's going to continue on in a new direction. And then there's other companies that uh, totally uh, changed the course of their business, used this as an opportunity to kind of cut uh, what they didn't love about their businesses before, and start anew. And then there's a lot of businesses in between. So it's been a really interesting year.
0: So one thing um, that we've noticed on our side in the independent home improvement channel is, and and we've noticed this even before the pandemic, is that um, the channel has been kind of insulated from um, from the same challenges that other small businesses may see as people have been transitioning to online shopping and preferring e-commerce um, just because the things that are sold in a home improvement store are things that people want to touch and feel and test out before they buy. Um, so there's, you know, people in our industry have, have kind of relied on that in-store business. And so when, when stores were closed and when people were limiting their shopping trips, that it did become a challenge for a lot of people who hadn't already set up Um, an online presence. Um, But I think a lot of them managed it really well over the last year. Um, But why is it still important, you know, outside of a world like like we have now, why is it important to establish that online presence and, and, and putting their brand out online?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of reasons why. Um, I could touch on a, on a lot of different things. Uh, you'd mentioned that obviously there's kind of this need to see and touch and feel uh, the products. I would actually challenge that um, if those customers who aren't in your store to touch and feel and see it you have to be able to bring that experience to them. So it's not just about the product, it's about the experience, it's about what they get when they come in store. Um, The the other bonus of being online is that your showroom is open to them 24 seven. It's not reliant on whether businesses are able to be open or not. It's not reliant on whether they're available to come to your your store uh, based on their availability uh, or when your opening hours are. we, we kind of need to understand that even though uh, this industry has been somewhat insulated from uh, online with the exception of COVID, um, that consumers are shifting. So I used to want to, like if I talk personally, I used to want to be able to see, touch and feel my clothing, right? I, I didn't want to, I, I needed to see how it fit on my body, but now just a few years after um, kind of putting a stake in the ground and saying, but I I can't imagine buying clothing online, I buy most of my clothing online. Um, you know, I used to want to see, touch and feel my makeup, but now I can read customer reviews and feel pretty confident in my selections, even though I'm not touching it. Uh, I just bought a kitchen for my basement. I got the faucet, the cabinets, the backsplash, the knobs, the pulls, and pretty much everything online. Um, you know, before COVID, we were already seeing this exponential growth in many in many industries in terms of how customers shop online for virtually anything that they need. Um, And just like Netflix has shifted the way that we consume television and movies, Amazon is also shifting the way that we think about shopping for goods. And it's changed many industries to move online. And now the expectation with consumers is I can get everything I need online when I need it, when I want to research it, when I want to find out more about it. And so COVID has only sped up that trend of people wanting what they want when they want it and how they want it. Um, And obviously, you know, when we saw the closure of of bricks and mortars, uh, people were forced to shop online and even people who had held out from shopping online previously were forced to. And now many of us are realizing like all of these little shifts just make us realize how easy and convenient it actually can be. So I yeah. can't see the trend reversing. It's only gonna continue because now we have consumers uh, also who have come to age in knowing nothing but this way of shopping. Yeah, um, yeah. so the other really important reason is we do a lot of research online. So if, you're, if your consumers are doing a reno or they're redecorating, or they're refreshing something. They're very likely using sites like Pinterest and Instagram and House, and even just Google search to get inspired and see what they're looking for, what they like and what they don't. And once they have that look in mind, they're going to do research on who's gonna help them get that look. They're already online, so it's very likely uh, they're gonna continue that research online. And if you're not there, then you don't exist to them. So being online helps you build awareness. It can help a potential customer make better choices. Uh, it can in turn compel them to want to shop with you instead of the other choices. And it can kind of create this frictionless conversion from somebody who's already ready to buy into a customer with you instead of somebody else.
0: Yeah, yeah. This is kind of an aside, but I think it's it's a little bit related. Um, when you are... When you are shopping for clothes online, do you stick to the brands, you know, or do you explore now that you kind of have, have your, your habits, I guess, um, do you spend more time researching before you buy? Um, well, it's
1: interesting because every industry will be slightly different with clothing. Um, I'm, I can be heavily influenced by influencers. So people who look like me, who've got a similar body type to me, who are, you know, their whole business is trying on clothes, the latest and the greatest and suggesting to their followers what to wear. So I can look at somebody who looks like me and say, I really like that. And I'll, I'll be willing to try something new Yeah, Um, in the world of home improvement. It's not unlike that. You know, there are, there are influencers that exist online who are experimenting with new colors. They're kind of setting the trends. They're experimenting with new finishes and um, they're they're kind of showing you what is possible, and it takes yeah. the risk away, right? And yeah. that's that's the big thing. Before the internet, there was a lot of risk because it was like, I'm not an expert in this. I don't know what is going to go with this and what is going to go with this. So we relied on the experience of the person who who worked within those four walls in that store to tell us. But that's one person's experience. Yeah. Um. You know, versus now I can look at influencers and I can start to see trends. I can start to see what works and what doesn't, I can go online, read reviews on the products themselves and find out Oh, that, you know, um, that product wasn't what people thought it was going to be. And it's going to influence my purchase. And
0: that's why people are
1: spending a lot more time online doing that research.
0: I think um, influencers, using influencers is one of those kind of untapped uh, opportunities on, in our, in our channel. So I think that may be a a conversation for another podcast episode. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, that, that definitely makes sense that, that seeing those things in action, um, is, is better than, than, you know, just being able to touch it and read the packaging. Um, so, um, but kind
1: of on uh, that note, if we take yeah. it away from influencers, because you raise a really good point, Melanie. So if I if I just look at the in-store experience and I go in and let's say we're talking about uh, you know, um, give me an example of what some of your products that that um that some of your members might have in store.
0: Oh, that's another how much time you have. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, like one or two that you can think let's of. Go, so. let's go with uh let's go with paintbrushes. Okay. brushes.
1: So I look at, I look at a paintbrush and I have no idea. I've never, I've never used this before. I've never used this thing uh, presumably before. I don't know how good it's going to paint. I don't know really anything about it. So I go to the expert in the store who's going to tell me about it. And that's that one person's experience. Mm-hmm. If I'm online and I now know I need a paintbrush, I can now go online and I can find out what are the best paintbrushes um, for the technique, I can I can educate myself on the technique I'm looking to use, what type of paint I'm looking to use, whether it's oil based or latex, and I can find out you know what type of wall I have and um, what type of look I'm going for, and I can get all of this information that I might not think about by being in store and talking with somebody online, and it's giving me a plethora of information. So even the stores themselves can be influencers; they can be creating content and saying these are the trends that we're seeing. Um, these are the products you can use to replicate this trend. And now you're making my job so much easier as a consumer. I can do the research. I can build the trust with you. I can understand your expertise. And now I know you've got what it is that I need.
0: And then there's that other layer of, you know, if somebody from that store is writing that content or, you know, that video of that person and exists on Facebook, then they're going to see that video and go into the store and see that same person, which I think right. as another layer of, of trust and, um, and, and loyalty.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So let's back up a little bit. Um, and let's talk about branding generally. Um, I think there's, you know, especially, um, you know, depending on what wholesaler you buy from, um, and, and kind of what's what competition exists in your market. Um, there may be a little confusion about, you know, what is a brand, um, and, and how do, how do people get started establishing theirs in their communities?
1: Ooh, I love this question. Okay.
0: <laughs> so this is like a
1: masterclass on branding down condensed down into, um, a few talking points. So yeah, I think this is such a great question and y- Branding is one of the most, uh, in terms of industries, it should be one of the most well understood, but it's probably the least well understood because some people think about it as, oh, it's it's your a logo, or right. it's a website, or it's you know reputation, or it's something else. So the way that I like to define the art of branding is, it is adding intangible value to a product or a service or a company or a person. So intangible values, that's value that can't be touched or seen. Um, you know, it, uh, it is absolutely intangible. So let me give you an example of this. So I, I want you to imagine that right in front of you, you have two red socks, okay? They're both for left feet. So they're they're from different people. So one is my sock that I'm selling. And the other one is my competitor's sock. Mm -hmm. And at first glance, when you look at them, they're pretty similar, right? They're both red. They're about the same size, about the same material. So if I were to ask you how much you'd pay for my sock, you'd probably pay the same or maybe lower price than the sock that my competitor is offering, right? So I'm going to have a very hard time selling my sock for more money because they're pretty much the same. Yeah. But what if I told you... Uh, a story about my sock. Um, what if I told you that my sock was worn by Mick Jagger in his last concert, <laughs> right? Suddenly that same red sock now has value and people are much more likely to pay more for that sock than the other one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now I'm not suggesting that, you know, retailers go out and talk about who's held, you know, a paintbrush or a paint can, uh, in store. Um, there are tons and tons of different examples, real life examples of this very thing. One of my favorites um, is uh, the story of Chili Cat. I stand up on stages, I talk about Chili Cat all the time. Um, two, two guys, uh, Rob Walker and Joshua Glenn, um, basically held a series of experiments to see how value could be added to everyday objects uh, through the use of stories. So I want you to imagine in your mind a really ugly ceramic cat it's about three inches long and it has whiskers and at the end of its whiskers are chilies which is why it's called chili cat um <laughs> so rob and joshua posted this chili cat on ebay for 50 cents um with no description but it was basically here's chili cat we're selling it for 50 cents after a week they had zero buyers so it didn't sell nobody was willing to even pay 50 cents for chili cat
0: I can't imagine why.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Then they updated the listing with a story. So um, the story was the origins of Chili Cat. So there was this this really uh, interestingly written post about um, uh, a friend who had this really fascinating and very eccentric aunt who had just passed away. She lived in this really cramped studio apartment in Hell's Kitchen in New York. And one day after her passing... Uh, the person who created this eBay listing said that they visited the house. They found a dusty box of old trinkets, and inside they found, you know, ceramic chickens and cows and other livestock—the kind that you see uh, painted in in kind of kitschy kitchens. And she continued to rummage around. Uh, he continued to rummage around in the box until he found Chili Cat. And they kind of used these words when describing it: it was ugly as sin. There was no way of getting around it. Um, no reason at all for the cat to be festooned with red chilies. There was a Mexican motif, I guess, maybe Tex-Mex. Chili Cat was supposed to be festive. So there was this you know, really romantic writing around the origins of Chili Cat and, and how Chili Cat looked. And so he ended up taking Chili Cat home and realized that he didn't need it and ended up selling it. And so they revised this listing with this story. And now instead of it being listed for 50 cents and, and ending up with crickets, it had multiple bids and Chili Cat ended up selling on eBay for $22 and 72 cents, which is not a huge sum of money, but it was 45 times over asking.
0: And that's, yeah, that's all that it's had a is, nice margin, <laughs>
1: <good> margin <laughs> right? Um, all because it has a story that created this intangible value and they've, they've replicated this case study over and over and over again, same results every time. So that's the essence of branding, right? Whether it's a product or a service, a company or a person, it's about creating value through a lot of different things, but most of which contribute to a story.
0: And I think what retailers in our industry um, should know is that they all—all all of them have a story. Yeah. Um, you know, they they chose to start a a business that has been deemed essential. Um, in their community. Um, you know, in some cases, we have, we have members of our organization that are five, six, seven generations strong. Um, and so those types of things are are what is going to appeal to the people who care about the community they're in, um, and, and want to support local business owners. So that's where that's where they can start those stories is, this is why I chose to Run this store here. Open this business here. Serve your needs here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And just like you said, um, I, I think there's always been, you know, there's all there's always something that pulls us to a local-run business, a mom and pop, someone who's been in the community, somebody who understands the community. There's inherent value in that, but that value has increased exponentially in the world of COVID, where we're recognizing that those businesses need our support and our, our dollars and our hearts are turning much more towards those local businesses. So yeah, understanding, you know, how is the business started? Who are the people in the business? How are you contributing to the community? Um, you know, how are you involved in the community? All of those things um, create value around your business. And that's just, you know, scratching the very, very tip of the iceberg. There's so much more to that.
0: Yeah. So how does a retailer share their brand, tell their story in-store versus online? What are kind of the key differences in those, in those strategies? Mm.
1: Well, I think, um, what's important to note is kind of the difference between the two, because they, they are quite different, right? When you're, um, in terms of execution, when you're in store, uh, there's a lot of one-on-one interaction with somebody who has chosen to get their two feet and to walk into your store. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important, I think, first to understand the different type of types of buyers that we have, because your in-store brand is only going to appeal to some of those potential buyers. So, um, if we imagine an inverted pyramid, right at the at the top of the pyramid is the widest part of the pyramid. It's 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 the mouth. It's, it's the most vast area of the pyramid. And down, as we move down that inverted pyramid, it goes down to a peak. And at the peak, it's the smallest, right? So the largest part of that pyramid at the top is the largest potential audience we have. These are people who um, fit your ideal market, but they don't really have a need yet. They might, uh, for example, uh, live in a house, um, have good income, be in your geographic area, but maybe the house that they've chosen is move-in ready. They don't really need to do home improvements just yet. It's just not on their radar. So that's probably your biggest market, right? Because they're at they're the most fast. Um, although they might not have a need for you right now, they will someday. These people will never be in your store. So you don't have an opportunity to really communicate them in the store environment. And that's um, that's a missed opportunity because they will eventually, um, be ready to buy. They're just not ready right now. So what you can do online is you can start to build a relationship with, with these people so that when they are ready to buy, they buy from you. So blog posts, if you think about where they are right now, um, they don't need to do home improvements, but maybe with a, a, a new house, they need to be aware of what are the things they need to be thinking about over the course of a year. So maybe you create a blog post with a home improvement checklist, and at the end of that blog post, they can sign up for your email, your VIP email program that tells them every single month what they should be doing to their home uh, seasonally to make sure that they're keeping keeping it up to date. And of course, you know once you've got their email address, you can tell them, tell them things about you know products that are related. To the, to the seasonal requirements of keeping their home that you have in store. You know, you can have social media posts with before and afters or home ideas, which would be invaluable to that group. Even though they're not ready to buy, they're still interested and they still have motivation to take a look at the home that they have and think about the things that they want to do. And that's where you can start to build a relationship. If we go a little bit further down the funnel, we've got people who have a need, so they have a need for home improvement, but they don't know you exist. Mm -hmm. Um, And these people are actively searching for solutions to their problems. Again, these people won't be in your store because they don't know you exist. So being searchable becomes so important. If your prospective customer has a need, they're going to go to Google to search for home improvement stores in your area, or they might be searching for certain products And the big question I have for you, uh, everybody who's listening right now is, are you one of the first search results? Because if you're not, again, you don't exist to those consumers. So blog posts, social media profiles, and social media content, website, uh, paid search engine marketing, directories, ratings, and review sites, all of these things are ways to help you get found by this consumer group. And again, if they're, they're ready to buy, they've got money in hand, they've got a need, they're ready to buy. And if they're not buying from you, they're going to be buying from somebody else.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, then further down on the pyramid, we've got people who have a need um, and are researching and you are one of their options because they know about you. Um, so the awareness is there, but what online allows you to do is build rapport before they ever walk in the door. So this is where your story comes into play. The people come into play. Um imagine being able to talk about your um, your values as a business, your people, your products, your services, share testimonials and reviews, customer success stories, um, what you do for the community, you know some of those things that we just talked about. um now all of a sudden you're not just another store. you're a brand with value and being online means that they can shop with you twenty four seven instead of when you know as we mentioned when the store is open or when they're available. and That on-demand convenience is really what consumers are looking for these days. We expect what we want, when we want it, and we want it delivered fast and with ease. You know, uh, um, I was listening to a futurist talking about a lot of different industries, and one of the things he talked about was um, the need for mobile, because consumers, even if they want to touch and feel, they expect it to, to be delivered to their home. So, you know, it's things like that that businesses can be thinking about, like, how can we deliver the experience? directly to our customers when they need it the most. Um, So down on the pyramid even further, we've got people who've shopped with you once, but may or may not think of you the next time they need to shop, right? They've been to you, uh, they've been a customer. So online is a way to build and learn with them and stay top of mind. So after they've shopped with you, get their feedback, get their testimonials. Um, You can be doing that through your email marketing. Um, You can suggest a preferred customer program to encourage them back in your store. All of these things help get them and other people like them in your store. And you can keep your stores top of mind with them by sharing great content that's useful based on what they bought from you. So there are ways to develop, um, you know, I don't want to get into marketing 3.0 here, but there are ways... (laughs) Uh, to create funnels based on what people have purchased from you so that you are getting them to think about, you know, what's next after paint, what's next? What are some of the things they should be thinking about now? Um, And, you know, you bought this other customers who are like you, who bought that also bought these types of things. So these are things that you should be thinking about. Um, And then at the last little, you know, the, the smallest part of your pyramid down at the very bottom, we've got your loyal customers. Those are people who are going to be coming to you regardless. And the unfortunate thing is they are the most valuable customers, but they're often the most forgotten because we think they're going to come and see us anyways. What more can we possibly do? Um, Right? So in store, you can, you can continue that experience with them that they absolutely love, which is why they come back to you time and time again, but there is no better way um, for you to build your business than by having customers telling other customer potential customers how great you are so you can use your online content to highlight these customers who are they where do they work what makes them passionate uh, about your store and your products where do you else do they go for inspiration what have they done with your products and services like everybody loves that kind of stuff to feel special and important Um, you can get video testimonials from them. You can get them to share how you've helped them and what you've helped them do. Invite them to be a part of a VIP program. Um, Give them sneak peeks of what's coming or maybe first access to your products before anybody else. So there are things that you can do outside of the store that's going to make them feel special. Make them a part of an ongoing focus group. So when you think of introducing new products or services or if you're thinking about new things, if you have this bevy of people who absolutely love you, they're an invaluable resource of information, ideas, and inspiration. So, you know, all that said, if we understand that branding is the creation of intangible value, um, that at first glance for products and services that at first glance seem the same or similar as other ones we can get somewhere else, right? People think about that, like paint. I can get paint there. I can get paint there. I can get paint there. I can get a paintbrush here, there, or there. They don't really understand especially the less educated the consumer, they don't really understand the value of one store over another, the brand becomes the value, right? Why they need to shop with you versus where, wherever else they are able to
0: shop. That's a really, um, really incredible detailed Example. I really appreciate that graphic. Um, I, I can definitely visualize all of it and it, it, it makes sense. Um, and, and I think you're right that that the loyal customers are, you know, are kind of the, if, if your goal is expanding your audience, you're not going to necessarily think about the people who come to your store every day, but there is a lot of untapped opportunity there.
1: The number one form of marketing is referrals mm-hmm. from referrals or testimonials uh, from people you don't even know. Right. So, if you hear people saying this, come this store was so amazing. Their customer service was incredible. They helped me do this. They helped me do that. You are much more likely to feel compelled to shop there than if you, the store, tell everybody how great you are through your website or through your marketing. Yeah, um, so yeah. it is the number one marketing channel, and it's also the most overlooked.
0: But it's yeah. free. You don't have to pay a dime. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You just have to make people feel special and yeah. welcome. Yeah. yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about how people can get started and maybe what holds people back from putting effort into online marketing, online branding. So what are some misconceptions you think small business owners have about this whole process about putting themselves online?
1: Oh, there's so many. Um, (laughs) I, you know, I have the privilege of being able to talk on stages, or I did, I guess, before COVID. And so I talk to a lot of people. You know, I, I, through my, through my speaking, I, what I do is I help to change, shift people's mindsets about things like this. And you know, after my talks, it's usually when I hear um, people's butts. Right? I love this idea, but. And so Mm -hmm. I do hear a lot, um, especially with people who are, let's say, above forty. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to be a whiz in technology or you have to be under 30 to be able to do this online stuff well, right? I just don't get it. I didn't grow up with a computer in the hand. Um, Technology on the scale of importance is very low on the totem pole of online marketing. It really Mm -hmm. is. Like your knowledge of Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn or email marketing and all that kind of stuff is very low on the totem pole. What's way more important is the ability to create content that people care about because we live in a world now where because all of these sites are free and so we can broadcast very freely there's a lot of stuff out there there's a lot of content we don't need more content we need more useful content that's meaningful to us as consumers So, and we can talk a little bit about that. Like, you know, you just mentioned talking about what people need to get started. We can talk about how to think about that so that you're creating content that people want to consume as opposed to people want to scroll past. Um, Another big one I hear is it's time consuming and I just don't have time for it, right? Especially if you're a solopreneur or if you've got a small team of people, it can be very daunting to think about, you know, now doing this whole other marketing thing. Um, And it can be, it can be very, a lot of work and it can be time consuming. There are a lot of people who waste a lot of hours creating stuff that no one cares about. Um, There are two things, two tools that you need to have. You need to have a strategy and you need a content calendar. That, those two things take a a little bit to think up. But once Mm -hmm. you have them, the thinking is done. Now all you need to do is execute. And you can hire very inexpensively people who understand the tools and are whiz bangs of technology to do the stuff for you. The really important stuff is what is the content I'm going to be sharing that's going to be useful and meaningful to my group. And you need a strategy and a content calendar to do that. So strategy is what is this content I'm creating? Who am I looking to connect with? Where are they going to be to consume this information and content calendar is okay. So the content that I want to share uh, you know, how often do I want to be posting this stuff? Is it once a week? Is it once a day? Is it once a month? What is the frequency? Uh, and it doesn't matter about frequency. It, it matters about consistency. So whether it's once a month, you do it once a month consistency, it's way better than doing it one week. It's one time a week. The next week, they don't hear from you. And the next week after that, they don't hear from you. And nobody kind of knows when you're going to be sending stuff. So once a month is better than all over the place. So do the thinking and hire someone to do the doing. Um, the other, the other big one, is more something that I see than I think most people don't recognize that this is an issue. They, but it's something I see all the time, which is um, people use online channels to sell, and that's all they do, right? Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. understanding because marketing in years past was about pushing your message out to as many people as you could within your budget. Um, And that was because our main channels were paid channels like TV and print and billboards and sponsorship. Social media is totally different. Your consumers who use it, see it as their place. This is where I come to talk to my friends. This is where I come to broadcast my own message. I don't want to be interrupted with sales all the time. It's just, I'm going to ignore it. So we need to feel like we're a part of the conversation. And and that's why I keep, you know, I might be flogging a horse, a dead horse here, but Um, It's why you keep hearing me talk about adding value at every chance you get. We need to create content of value. Um, And the last thing I'll say is the other other thing that I do here, especially with people who are starting new, right, is it can be daunting when you're starting from ground zero, right? It can Mm -hmm. seem daunting, this idea of creating enough people when I've got a community of zero right now. Um, you don't have a community of zero. You have your customers. So it's very easy to start that community very quickly. But regardless, it'll be a small community. Small community is better than no community. Um, and when you don't have a community of your own online, one of the most powerful things that you can do is to leverage other people's communities. So, um, you know, there are other people in your community who are serving your audience or the audience you want to have. So think about creating partnerships partnerships with them or maybe... Um, You can highlight some of those local businesses who cater to your market. And it's very likely when you highlight them, they're going to share your post with all of their followers, right? Because it's somebody else talking about them. You've created content for them that talks about how great they are. Um, And then all of a sudden they're introducing you to their market. You can create a coalition with other businesses and cross promote each other online. You can build a resource for your local community, like a directory, or a tips book or something and ask your community to share it. So there are ways to grow your business online through partnerships with other people who have created communities that you want to tap into.
0: Yeah, it's it's the same strategy that we talked about before with, you know, word of mouth being the most powerful marketing tool from a consumer perspective. So if your customers are talking about you to their friends, then then your business friends can hopefully talk about you to their friends. Um, and so it's, it's, it's that same kind of thing on a, on a bigger scale.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well said.
0: Um, so the next step, once you've established your presence, um, is engagement. And I think that what, what you said about consistency is, is kind of a second tier challenge for people. It's, you know, it's one thing to put a post up once a month or you know share a video every other week um, but but engaging with people is is another level so so why is engagement such an important component of of continuing your online presence and and how can retailers um, enhance or increase their engagement online? okay. Yeah, that's a good question. So if we think about those channels,
1: right, that we're talking about, like Facebook or um, Pinterest or Instagram or even Google, we have to understand how they work, right? So their ultimate goal is to deliver content they think is most relevant to you, the individual. So if you, for example, go to Facebook, your Facebook feed is going to look totally different than mine, even if we share Mm -hmm. the same friends. Uh, If you go to Google and do a search, your search results are going to be totally different than mine, because all of those sites are looking at what have you engaged with? What sites have you gone to? What have you clicked on? What have you shared? And based on all of that information, call them algorithms, um, they then, when you do a future search, will predict what content you're going to most relate to. Mm -hmm. So we have to understand that to understand why engagement is so important right? Um, and the reason why they do that is because if you get content that is most relevant to you, you're going to stay there and you're going to spend more time there, right? More time mm-hmm. you spend more there, the more ads you're going to click on, you know, the more um, the more you're going to need their platform. So one of the ways that they determine what content you should see is by what you've engaged with in the past, right? So the more uh, people who engage with your content, not only are they going to see that content, but they're also gonna see what you're gonna post in the future, right? Because those sites are gonna say, ah, your stuff is most valuable to those people. Mm -hmm. So engagement is a way to be seen more frequently, but it's also a way of measuring um, if your content is resonating with your market, right? So if you post something, And then the net result of that post, so you hit publish and then there's crickets. Nobody does anything. That's a pretty good indicator that you've missed the mark, right? Yeah, yeah. um, On the other hand, if people are clicking and liking and commenting and sharing, it's a sign that they really like what you posted. So the big question becomes awesome. Okay, got it, got the concept, but how do I increase engagement? So one of the, one of the, Best exercises I can get you to think about is the pain dream exercise. Okay, so when you're creating content, I want you to think about those five markets I talked about. Right, uh, you're going to take those five markets that I mentioned, you know, a few minutes ago, and you're going to kind of put them on a spreadsheet. So they're going to go in in the horizontal section along along the side. So each row will be one of your five um, markets. And then you've got as columns pain, dream, and gap. Okay. So, your pain, when you look at each one of those, you're going to ask yourself, what are their top three biggest pains right now? Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, an example of that might be I'm ready to, you know, to redecorate. I want to buy some paint. My pain is I have no idea what paint color to choose, and I feel totally stunted and overwhelmed and stressed by this idea of buying paint because I just, I don't know what to do.
0: Mm -hmm. The
1: dream is always the opposite of that, right? So the dream would be, I feel confident in my paint choice choice selection. So pain, I feel stress and anxiety around picking. And my dream is I wanna feel totally confident about the paint that I choose. Now the gap or the chasm is the space between where they are right now, which is feeling stressed, and then feeling totally confident. And your job as a business is to think about how can you create content that's going to bridge that gap. So maybe um, you you highlight the top five trends in paint right now, and then you help them understand what products they need. You are you pre-select the paint for them and give them, you know, here's the. Here's the top three paint colors. So instead of going and standing in front of like this, you know, this wall of different paint chips that is totally overwhelming, make it easy for them, you yeah. know, pick the, and and now you're helping them, you're bridging the gap. That's great content. It's something that they need. It's related to a pain that they have and you're going to solve a big problem and not only going to solve the problem, you're solving it with your products and services, yeah. right? Yeah. So we need to think like that is, that is the biggest thing. If you want to increase engagement, solve problems for your market, number one. Um, The other thing you can do is ask questions. So questions are really powerful. When you're posting content, ask people what they want. Um, You know, if you've got, uh, you know, if you're posting pictures of room design, you know, ask them, which one do you prefer? One, two, or three? You know, it's a way of getting engagement without saying, please like this, please comment, please share. You're asking them, like, what do you like? People love those types of things. It's like, oh, I love room number two. This reminds me of when I grew up, this color, whatever. Um, So people love it. Ask questions. Um, And you get to learn more about your customers that way too, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And then think about, like, ask yourself, what is it that my customers would want to share with their friends and family? And this gets you out of the trap of selling, selling, selling to people. Like you can sell, I'm not not anti-selling. You need to sell as a, 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 having a good strategy is about understanding what the end game is. The end game is you wanna sell more products and services, but you don't start with somebody by selling. You start by thinking like, what is stuff that people really want to consume? What do they wanna share? What would they want to share with friends and family? Right, so really think about that. Ask yourself that question: What is something that I could share with somebody that they would want to share with their friends and family? It could be stories about them. It could be features on your customers. People love to be featured. People love, yeah. you know, it might be um, a before and after that they did. So submit your best before and afters, and you share it with the community on their behalf. People are like, "Whoa, that's my room! This is so cool!" They're sharing yeah. it with everybody. Yeah. So ask yourself those types of questions. I think is really important. Um, I can give you an example of a, of a client uh, and how I increased engagement for them, which uh, it's, it's in a different industry, but I think it would be really interesting for uh, your community to hear this. Um, you good with that? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So a few years ago, I was working with a band. So not brand, but a band. In other words, <laughs> a group of singers <laughs> in Chicago. Yeah. Um, so they had... They had really, really good brand awareness in their hometown. Um, but outside of Chicago, they were little known, right? Nobody had ever really heard of them. So their goal, like when we talked about what is it, what's what is it that you want to accomplish, their goal was to connect with event planners who plan events and hire bands um, and get in front of those across North America. So to build their brand across North America, not just in Chicago. So the problem that I had was that good bands are a dime a dozen, you know, like Mm -hmm. good singers are everywhere that like you can't have a band and not be good singers. Right. It's kind of, um, and that would be, it wouldn't work very well for you. And good event planners are bombarded with hundreds of band demo reels every single month. So the second challenge I had in addition to to the first challenge that I mentioned was that beyond after paying me, they had really a, a virtually no budget right? So that we couldn't invest in paid ads and do all of this fancy stuff. We had to think really guerrilla marketing. So my first goal was to understand what made this band interesting and magnetic. Like why should people care about them, right? Which Mm -hmm. is really what your community needs. Like why should people care about us? What makes us special? Why should they shop with us instead of somewhere else? What became really clear was in addition to singing top 40 music, which is not very unique, They love to play with the words of a song to work around the theme of an event. So um, they love to incorporate the president's message into a popular song or the name of, you know, key people in the organization into a popular song. Um, So they were customized top 40. And that was quite unique.
0: Yeah. Next thing
1: I needed to understand was where was their buying market congregating? which is something else your people need to understand. Like where are people, not, not just where are they? Cause everybody, Facebook for example, is ubiquitous. Everybody's on Facebook, um, but where are they congregating to buy? Where are they making decisions about buying or, or you know as it relates to your products and services, where are they? Um, so I learned for this client that a conference was gonna be taking place in the next month in New York for some of the leading event planners in the United States. So here was a lot of people congregating in one place. Um, And this was a pretty coveted event and my client had no ticket to be there, uh, but we did have an idea. So we scanned the hashtag for the event, which is Mm -hmm. like the pound sign uh, followed by a symbol, which is what a lot of conferences and events use to organize conversations around their event. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we kind of monitored that to find the biggest influencers, the name of the organizers and some of the details of the event. And we put together a two minute music video using a really popular song at the time. And all of the details that we'd kind of gleaned through our research. And we, uh, posted that music video. We tagged the influencers. We used the hashtag for the event and we put the video out into the world. And then we waited and <laughs> That video received hundreds of retweets and hundreds of thousands of plays. But more importantly, the organizers of the large event, that conference, reached out to us and asked us to be the headliner at their event and open up their second event. And it started a relationship that would allow my client to be seen as an industry influencer. So, because we spent the time understanding the market and what would be valuable to them, where they were online, what made the brand compelling we knew what channel to use, what medium would best present our message and how to stand out in this sea of noise. Yeah. Right. So that's the power it's, it's the strategy. It's not the tools.
0: Yeah. Wow. Um, well, we are kind of at the, at the culmination of our, uh, conversation Station. So I wanted to just kind of leave it open for you to give any parting thoughts, and also um, to share where people can find you um, to get this kind of information. So if you want to um, include uh, where you know what social sites um, people can find you, and and where you're sharing your content, um, uh, you are welcome to do that. Awesome. Um, I have a I have a name that's kind of hard
1: to. Uh, hard to spell and hard to remember. So you'll have a written <laughs> version of this. Yeah. We like, Ugh. it's like Laura and McCullough are the two hardest names for people. Um, so <laughs> parting, parting thoughts, you know, I think, I think the, the net net of what I've said uh, and, and I've said it over and over again is it's really about creating value. Like branding mm-hmm. is about creating this intangible value and the content that you create online should be about, reiterating that value so finding different ways to tell stories in many different ways it's not about the technology it's about having a sound strategy and a sound execution plan and then get you know hire somebody to to do the executing for you you don't have to do or you can do it yourself you know you can do it either way but don't be scared by the idea that you have to be you know um a a whiz in technology that will only serve to disservice you. Yeah. Uh, you know, think really think about why people should care about you, and and be focused on creating the right content to get that out. Um, I share on the regular tips and ideas and tricks uh, on a variety of different social sites, so um, you can find me. Um, I'll give you all the links to this, but you can find me uh, on Facebook. Friend me on Facebook. I'm uh, Lara balich McCullough. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at the Laura McCullough. Uh, you can find me also on Instagram at start some shift that's shift with an F. Um, and you can find me on LinkedIn too under uh, Lara McCullough. I don't know the link address right off the top of my head, but I'll provide that to you.
0: Great. And uh, um, I guess this is my opportunity to say follow NHPA on all of those platforms as well. And so you'll be able to find Laura because um, we're going to follow her everywhere too. Um, so you'll be able to find her in our followers list um, if, if that is the easiest way to get there. So, well, thanks again for all of these insights. I think uh, really great, um, really great helpful hints for our audience to get started on, on the branding train. Um, and I definitely appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Melanie. It was an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Thank you.